Hey guys, it's James and Samuel, and we are back for another week in Anjo. Yes, uh, this time covering September 21st to the 27th. Yes. Uh, no major announcements outside of my work schedule is going to be a little fucky for the next month of October. Yeah. So we're going to be doing some weird recordings. We're going to be doing uh, Down the Rabbit Hole recorded on Friday or Saturday. And we'll post it on Wednesday. Yeah, so basically it'll be no different for you, but it's gonna we get be weird double for the us. recording on the weekends. It's gonna kill us. It'll be fun. It's gonna be a great time. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, jumping right into it, this first article was posted by Leanne Jones on Wednesday, September 25th. This article comes from ABC News and was written by Bill Hutchinson. Headline is: Former Dallas cop Amber Geiger claims self-defense as apartment mix-up murder trial begins. <laughs> Self-defense. But uh, the trial of a white former Dallas police officer who fatally shot an unarmed black man when she mistook his apartment for her own got underway Monday <clears throat> with the prosecutor telling a jury the officer uh, fired first without making any effort to de-escalate the situation and a defense attorney countering that the exhausted officer made, quote, innocent mistakes that led her to fear for her life. Killing someone is not an innocent mistake. No, and uh, you can see how they, they fit in. She feared for her life. Feared for her life. I feared for my life, guys. But uh, in a case that sparked days of protests in Dallas and calls for justice from the victim's family in the Caribbean, fired Dallas police officer Amber Geiger, 31, is charged with murder stemming from the September 2018 fatal shooting of Botham Jean at the Southside Flats apartment complex in Dallas. But even before the trial began Monday, Geiger's defense team requested the judge to declare a mistrial, arguing Dallas County District Attorney John Cruzote violated a gag order by talking about the case in a TV interview aired Sunday night. After reviewing the interview and polling jurors in private on whether they saw Cruzote's interview on TV, Dallas County District uh, Court Judge Tammy Kemp overruled the defense motion and ordered the trial to proceed. The judge also ordered the jury to be sequestered for the duration of the trial, which is expected to last up to two weeks. I still think it's fucking hilarious she's trying to pull self-defense. Like, you broke into a man's house and killed him. Yeah. That's not self-defense. In that case... He was unarmed. In that case, I'm I'm going to start burgling people's houses yeah. and, and killing them and being like, well, I feared for my life. You should fear for your life. You broke into someone's house. Yeah, I mean... Jesus Christ. What the fuck? But th that's the thing is that they don't really have a defense. That's the only thing they can go with is, it was self-defense, I feared for my life, except you were not under attack in any way, shape, or form. No. And the only fear you should have for your life at that point is because you broke into a man's house and he's well within his right to kill you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't break into people's houses. That that's simple. A, it's, that's, yeah, it's a pretty simple I, uh, I thought it was my it. apartment. Bitch, what? <laughs> you fucking what? So, stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping that this goes the way of justice. Yeah. Otherwise, there probably will be riots. Or I'll, I might get her apartment mixed up with mine. Don't. <laughs> I might accidentally think that her apartment is mine, and I'll fear for my life and defend myself. <laughs> I, will, I will defend myself so hard. So hard. <clears throat> but uh, this next article was posted by myself on Monday, September 23rd. This article comes from Fox News and was written by Nicole Dara. The headline is, Florida Girl, 6, Arrested for Battery by School Resource Officer for Temper Tantrum. 
So a Florida grandmother claims her six-year-old granddaughter was arrested by a resource officer after throwing a temper tantrum at school, which she says happened because the child suffers from sleep apnea. Marilyn Kirkland says the child, Kay Roll, was acting out at Lucius and Emma Nixon Academy, a charter school in Orlando, as a result of lack of sleep. The six-year-old was then brought to the principal's office. <clears throat> Kirkland told WKMG-TV that while there, a school staff employee grabbed Kaya's wrists, sparking her to lash out and kick her legs. <clears throat> the school resource officer, Officer Dennis Turner, of the Orlando Police Department, handcuffed Kaya and transported her to the Juvenile Assessment Center in Orlando on a battery charge. Her grandmother said the child was fingerprinted and had her mugshot taken. The Orlando Police Department told Fox News via email that the six-year-old was released from custody and returned to the school before being processed at the juvenile center. The arrest of people under the age of 12 requires officers to get permission from their watch commander, which Turner did not do, the department said. So, sounds like just some rogue cop who likes bullying children. Yeah, well, like, this guy, if I'm not mistaken, was retired, but um, he was basically a reserve officer. And it, it really, this, this kind of looks like he was reminiscing on the good old days and policed overzealously. Yeah. She's six years old. Like It's like, uh, man, it's been so long since I've arrested someone and you just gave me reason. I haven't arrested someone since you were born. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, what the fuck reasoning is this? She's six years old. Six, mm -hmm. From my experience, six-year-olds are ruthless little hellions and you can expect them to do stuff like this. This isn't battery. This is typical six-year-old behavior. Well, like, yeah, and to me this looks like... And it, it falls in line with, you know, what has happened since resource officers were implemented in the schools. It's basically feeding the school-to-prison pipeline. Yeah. Basically trying to get them into the criminal system as early as possible. Oh, yeah. To make sure that they stay there. And sure enough, she, she throws one little temper tantrum, and now she has a criminal record. Yeah, she's being six years charged old. with battery. She's not, she's not even going to be able to get a good job interview for a lemonade stand because she has a criminal record. <laughs> Are there lemonade stands that do background checks? Uh, That's a pretty high-quality fucking lemonade stand. I mean, stand. they're legally obligated to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, following up on that one, this one was posted by myself on Tuesday, September 24th. So the next, it was the following day that I posted this. So this one comes from NBC News and was written by Doha Madini, or Madani. Um, the headline is, Florida officer fired after arresting two six-year-olds. So she was not the only one arrested in the incident. But uh, a school resource officer was fired after arresting two six-year-old students last week, Orlando police said Monday. Orlando police chief, or uh, Orlando Rolone, his name is actually Orlando, and he's the police <laughs> chief in Orlando. That's, that's, that's some shit. Okay. Announced that school okay. resource officer Dennis Turner was terminated as a result of arresting the two children without the approval of a commanding officer. <clears throat> An investigation is still underway into the incident. Quote, this will not stop, this chief said of the probe. Quote, but at my level, I have the opportunity to be able to exercise that, and when I came in today, I knew there was no choice here. He was going to be terminated. Turner was a reserve officer, meaning he served at the will of the chief and could be fired before the end of the, an investigation, according to Rallone. <clears throat> Rallone also said that he has reminded officers of the department policy that requires officers to get approval before arresting any child under the age of 12. Only under the age of 12? <clears throat> yeah. 
I feel like that should be like 15 or 16. I mean, personally. you shouldn't be running around arresting kids <laughs> in the first place. But, you know, it, it really speaks volumes of how fucked up you are if the police think you're fucked up. <laughs> it's like, dude, you stepped out of line here. That's like like Hitler telling you you genocided too hard. <laughs> it's like, dude, calm down. But, uh... uh fun time. So at fun least, time. At least there was like a little bit of, uh... Like the the, bureau, the bureaucracy wasn't there to protect him until the media firestorm died down. Well, the bureaucracy wasn't there to protect those six-year-olds either. Yeah. He, he was supposed to go to a commanding officer, didn't, acted on his own will, and mm-hmm. I'm glad he got fired, but I promise he's probably going to be hired by a, an adjacent jurisdiction. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is like there's no blacklist for these cops to get terminated. No. They can just move over to another county, another district, and then they're just right back at it. Or hell, Even if they, they were terminated for something exceptionally fucking awful. Like breaking into someone's house and shooting them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised she's not already hired in another fucking district. Right? Well, she's probably using this time as like like a slight vacation trying to get her stuff under control and have some fun before she goes back to uh, slaughtering people in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that was only one of many in this apartment complex that I'd plan on killing. But, There's uh, 20 other apartments. <laughs> But um, this next one was posted by myself on Friday, September 27th, and we are getting into some Hong Kong news. Yes. But uh, this one comes from the Wall Street Journal and was written by Gordon Chang. And this is an opinion piece by Gordon Chang called Hong Kong May Topple Communism, referring to the communist regime in China. So So, specifically state communism. Yeah. So don't at me. Um, as Same. Hong Kong entered the 16th straight week of unrest, protesters adopted origami cranes as symbols of resistance, sang their new anthem, burned the Chinese national flag, erected barricades, threw petrol bombs, and beat opponents unconscious. Okay. The protest movement in the semi-autonomous region has now taken on characteristics of an insurgency as people across Hong Kong uh, society vigorously challenge local authorities. The 79-day umbrella protest of 2014, as large as it was, had little lasting effect on Beijing, which had ruled Hong Kong as a, quote, special administrative region since 1997. This year's protests are different. China's disintegration is now underway, says Arthur Waldron, a China historian at the University of Pennsylvania, told me last month. In Chinese history, regimes often unravel from the outside in. Quote, disintegration, Mr. Waldron told me, Quote, begins at the limits of, em- of empire, only to grow, steadily undermining adjacent territory until the seats of central power are imperiled. That's what happened in the 10th century to the mighty Tang din- uh, dynasty, which, as Mr. Waldron puts it, was, quote, mortally wounded by, by military disorders remote to the capital. Similarly, in the mid-19th century, the Qing din- uh, dynasty was fatally weakened by a 14-year-long t- uh, Taiping Rebellion, Starting in southern China, not far from Hong Kong, the revolt, actually an attempted revolution, claimed an estimated 20 million lives and displaced tens of millions more. The Manchu king rulers uh, held on to power for nearly a half century longer, but never recovered from perhaps the most destructive civil war in history. Almost every analyst today assumes that one way or another, Beijing will prevail in the current crisis. China's Communist Party maintains the world's largest standing army with more than 2 million personnel. Some 7,000 are already stationed in Hong Kong, and the hardcore protesters dressed in black a, quote, guerrilla force, according to American correspondent Michael Yan, number only in the thousands. 
Yet despite appearances, Beijing is at a disadvantage. The mass of Hong Kong residents firmly oppose Beijing's encroachments. The protests, initially over a bill that would have allowed extradition to the mainland, have widened in scope. Now the target is China itself and its effort to eliminate the quote one, comp uh, one country, two systems arrangement that had promised Hong Kong a high degree of autonomy. China's efforts to take over Hong Kong have resulted in a shift in self-identification, especially among younger adults. A recent Hong Kong University survey shows that the share of 18 to 29 year olds who self-identify as Hong Konger rather than Chinese or mixed as has surged to about 75% from 40% a decade ago. Almost nobody in this group believes he is Chinese only. A plurality of residents of all ages now see themselves as Hong Konger only. Changes in self-identification have fueled a still small independence movement which did not exist a decade ago. Whether or not Hong Kongers want to separate fully from China, Beijing has to be concerned by protesters there repeating the line from the Hunger Games, quote, if we burn, you burn with us. Damn right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. So uh, this whole thing is looking more like it's cranking up to a revolution. Yeah, like, which I, I hope that it is. Like, I hope that like the spirit of Hong Kong like starts infecting further into the mainland. Oh yeah, this but, is it's it, it looks like it's building up to be a pretty fun uh, independence war type thing, mm -hmm. and going going at a war of that scale with China being a major superpower. Mm -hmm. Well, they're they have other allies and such there's all kinds of different people on different sides of the fence and whatnot and chances are you're probably going to get other superpowers involved this hong kong could literally be igniting world war three that would be and fascinating frankly i'm okay with it i am i am okay give me that world war three boogaloo oh boy that would be a bad time <clears throat> In the words of Albert Einstein, I don't know what weapons will be used to fight World War III, but I know that World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. <laughs> Give me that World War IV! Oh, gosh. <laughs> but uh, this next article was posted by myself on Friday, September 27th. It comes from Bloomberg and was written by Natalie Lung and Aaron Mc uh, Nicholas. Uh, the headline is, Activists hurl bricks, police use water cannon, Hong Kong update. So this is basically an update article to what has been going on this past week in Hong Kong. So I took a lot of snippets out of it to kind of give a, a rundown. But uh, Hong Kong police fired a water cannon at brick-hurling protesters after tens of thousands crammed into a park and surrounding streets to mark the fifth anniversary of 2014's pro-democracy Occupy demonstrations. The authorized rally in the 17th week of protests comes just days before China celebrates 70 years of Communist Party rule. Chief Executive Carrie Lam on Thursday took responsibility for the entire unrest that has rocked the city since June in a bid to calm tensions. Even largely peaceful gatherings have descended into chaos in recent weeks as smaller groups of hardcore protesters threw petrol bombs at police who fired volleys of tear gas. Here's the latest. <clears throat> so police conducted stop and search operations at various places across the city challenging people on foot and on public transportation. Police stopped buses entering the Cross Harbor Tunnel and also carried out searches in Causeway Bay and Wan Chai, where passengers were forced off buses to be checked. Police deployed a water cannon shooting blue dye after clashes with protesters. A group of people hurled bricks at officers and blocked off roads, police said in a statement. Organizers of the rally and speakers at the event praised the protest movement and the people's solidarity in opposing Lamb's extradition bill. 
Joshua Wong, a prominent leader of the Occupy movement, said the demonstrations had put Hong Kong in an international spotlight and was the reason the U.S. is considering passing a Human Rights Act to monitor the level of autonomy in the city. He said there was no turning back for the movement. Civil Human Rights Front, the organizer of the rally, said in a statement that five years after the Umbrella Movement fought for universal suffrage, nothing has been achieved and protest leaders have been jailed. This year, a new generation of activists inspired almost one-third of the city's population to take to the streets and force Lamb into withdrawing the bill. Still, the protesters must continue to fight for their five demands, it said. So, thousands of people packed Timar Park in Admiralty to mark the fifth year since the Occupy protests that were centered in the area. The protesters sang, waved their mobile phones, and shone lasers as they waited for the guest speakers. Protesters took over roads leading to the venue, and police said they used, quote, minimal force to disperse some who had charged at officers' cordons. And then... For another protest, a crowd of protesters gathered calmly at Edinburgh Place in the city center in solidarity with people who were detained during previous protests and held in the city's San Uk Ling holding center. Police officials said at a daily press conference earlier in the year that they hadn't used the center to detain protesters since September 2nd, just after one of the worst weekends of violence in the city because of, quote, speculation and groundless accusations. It held 75 protesters at the peak of its use. Protesters had complained about the remote location and poor phone signal that made it hard for them to contact lawyers, and police said Friday that they understood this. Um, Hong Kong police issued a ban on an October 1st gathering in March organized by the Civil Human Rights Front. The group's co-vice convener, Bonnie Lung, said um, the decision was based on events during earlier protests involving serious injuries to protesters, police officers and journalists caused by vandalism, arson, road blockages, and Molotov cocktails thrown by some demonstrators according to the letter of objection issued by CHRF. Police also said the protest locations were close to high-risk buildings, including subway stations and government offices that could be subject to violence. I feel like banning these isn't a good idea. No. But um, as, it, as so far as the arrest tally, almost 1,600 people have been arrested since the movement kicked off on June 9th, police said at a daily briefing on Friday. Hundreds of demonstrators have found themselves ensnared by Hong Kong's legal system during a summer of unrest, and securing amnesty for them has become one of the movement's major demands, but so far the mass detentions have done little to keep protesters off the streets. A global anti-totalitarianism march to the central government headquarters has been organized for Sunday, along with a rally by secondary school students. Now see, the thing about them being ensnared by the legal system... Yes, you're going to be ensnared by the legal system. You are currently acting in defiance of the legal system. Mm -hmm. So if you're ensnared by the legal system, you need to use the illegal system to get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Go go at it with some bombs or some shit. Like, if they, if they try and detain you, blast your way out. Fuck it. Blast your way out with cooms. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep shooting. Just keep shooting. Oh, man. But it's good to see that things are not slowing down there. It's not. This is four months now. That's 16 weeks. This is four months. Like, keep this, keep the spirit going. Keep Man. this up. But uh, this next article was posted by myself on Friday, September 27th. This comes from Bloomberg and was written by Aaron McNicholas. And the headline is, Hong Kong's frontliners say they're ready to die for the movement. That's the yeah. kind of people you need in this kind of movement. If you're not but, willing to die for freedom, you don't want freedom. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Fung, a 24-year-old doctor, seems an unlikely candidate to, start, uh, to stand on the front line of Hong Kong's most violent civil unrest in half a century. Before this year, he never took part in a protest, and during Hong Kong's last major pro-democracy uprising, the 2014 Umbrella Movement, he only stopped by to take photos. Now, Fung is part of a cell of 20 protesters who face off each weekend against police on the streets of Hong Kong in clashes that have escalated from peaceful marches to flying bricks, tear gas, Molotov cocktails, and, more recently, live ammunition fired into the sky. Fung, who acquired bullet-resistant body armor to wear under his black t-shirt, says the violence needs to escalate even further if protesters are to persuade Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam and her backers in Beijing to accede to their demands. Quote, If you can't give pressure to police, the police won't give any stress to Carrie Lam, Fung said in an interview in his home. Quote, We, the frontliners, always lose when facing those police. We never win. He shows his armored vest. Quote, maybe someone will die next week. I hope the one getting shot is me since I've got this. But not all the frontliners have this to protect them. Fung's willingness... What was that? We should send them body armor. Lots of it. They don't all have body armor. We can we can smuggle body armor. Guys, send body armor to Hong Kong. Send plate armor. I want to yes. see Hong Kong protesters marching around in full medieval garb. Yes. <laughs> have at thee! <laughs> But uh, Fung's willingness to accept a potentially bloody escalation and his belief that the movement will ultimately succeed shows that the weeks of clashes have created a hard core of determined, uh, of determined teams of protesters whose tactics are shifting as clashes become militarized. Fung, like others interviewed for this story, declined to be quoted by their full name for fear of arrest in a city where merely participating in an unauthorized protest could mean years in prison. The frontline protesters' hard hats, gas masks, and black clothing have become the movement's uniform, lionized in street art and internet memes. But their hard-line tactics have also divided the former British colony. More moderate protesters credit them with forcing concessions from a recalcitrant government, while Chinese officials denounce them as rioters showing signs of terrorism. Which, of, of course, they're going to say that they're terrorists. I mean, George, George Bush kind of painted that landscape for everything to just be called terrorism. If you defy the government, you're a terrorist. You're a terrorist. Not a terrorist, a terrorist. Mm -hmm. T-E-R apostrophe R-S-T. A terrorist. <laughs> we'll throw that in the dictionary. <laughs> a terrorist. But, uh... I legit want to look into how to get body armor to Hong Kong now. Like, I, w I want to find someone, coordinate, set up, like, a GoFundMe or something, buy a bunch of body armor, send it over, and you watch, like, the next day you're going to see this massive headline article, fucking bunch of Hong Kongers in body armor, like, let's fucking go. I want to do that now. Hong Kongers charge police with claymores while dressed in full plate mail. <laughs> Some were heard to have been screaming, have at thee. I'm all for it. Let's do this. Well, this next article was posted by Jason Booth on Friday, September 27th. It comes from local Memphis and was written by Jenny DiPrizio. The headline is, City of South Haven says Constitution does not protect immigrant killed by police when they stormed the wrong home in 2017. So the city of South Haven says the Constitution does not protect an immigrant killed by police when they stormed the wrong home in 2017. The family of Ismael Lopez uh, filed a civil lawsuit against South Haven, but the city says the family has no claim because Lopez was an undocumented resident. Lawyers for the Lopez family say 
uh, say what's written on the court's uh, filing is disturbing. Lopez's wife is very upset and through an interpreter made a plea to the public. Quote, to the media and everyone watching, I ask you seek justice for me, said Claudia Linares, Lopez's wife. Linares and her attorneys don't understand why the city of South Haven filed legal documents questioning if she was really, married, uh, really legally married to Lopez. The filings also say because Lopez was undocumented, he didn't have a right to constitutional protections and neither do current undocumented residents. Quote, you have no right to constitutional protections, meaning that stormtroopers can come into your house and kill you without regard to any constitutional results or repercussions whatsoever, said Murray Wells, Lopez's lawyer. Quote, if you take their arguments at face value, they can lock you up and throw away the key because you have no protections, no right to trial. They can kill you, they can use excessive force, Wells added. Quote, that's what they are arguing. It's just flat wrong. The Supreme Court has spoken to it over and over and over again. In July 2017, South Haven police shot Lopez through his front door after going to the wrong house while looking to arrest a domestic assault suspect. In a statement, South Haven Mayor Darren Musselwhite said in part, quote, The city of South Haven with de uh, will defend this matter in the court of law, not in the media, via press conferences with ridiculously misleading soundbites. A federal judge will consi uh, consider actual prior federal case law presented by the city attorney's office in this case. Quote, This case should have never been here in the first place. It was an accident, they should have taken responsibility for it, and we should move forward, rather, uh, rather they are attacking innocent people, said Wells. And I just wanted to add that when uh, Jason Booth posted this article, he quoted the Founding Fathers that wrote the Constitution that uh, they found it to be self-evident that all men are created equal and have certain rights that are unalienable. Yeah, meaning that it doesn't just apply to American citizens. Like, all men, period. Not all citizens, all men. All of them. Everybody who has ever made ever, everybody who has ever been born ever, mm -hmm. you all have unalienable rights. The government, the, is not, uh, the government is not in the right to discriminate based on your documentation status. Yeah, because what the, what the Constitution is supposed to be is not a list of rights for the citizens. It's supposed to be a list of restrictions for the government. Yeah. Which they clearly don't give a fuck. They about. don't give a fuck. This is why I don't give a fuck about the Constitution, because it's worthless. It's, yeah, well, there, it's garbage. There are laws and, com and things in common practice that blatantly fly in the face of the Constitution. They don't care. Yeah, they, they don't. They really don't care. They don't. But um, that brings us to the end of the first segment, bringing us with our first wild card, which is our ace card. Uh, this one was posted by the piece of shit sitting next to me hey. on Sunday, September 22nd. This article comes from the New York Post and was written by Kenneth Garger. And the headline is, Autopsy Finds Jeffrey Epstein Had Several Broken Neck Bones. So just, I do want to say this article is from about a month and a half ago, but I don't believe we talked about this. We talked about his initial death, and I don't believe we did a follow-up on the autopsy, so it's definitely good to include it. Yeah. And it was very popular in the group. Um, 107 people, shares as of this recording. Yeah, I think that was the most popular group uh, post we've ever had in the yeah. group. Yeah. Um, Feels good. <laughs> the article starts, Jeffrey Epstein's autopsy determined the convicted pedophile suffered multiple broken neck bones, according to a report. One of the breaks was to Epstein's hyoid bone, an injury that experts told the Washington Post is more common in homicide victims. 
Epstein was found dead of an apparent suicide in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center early Saturday. He was being held there without bail since his July arrest on sex trafficking charges. The Washington Post spoke to Jonathan Arden, president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, who said a broken hyoid bone, which is near the Adam's apple, is more common in strangulation uh, murders than suicidal hangings. Quote, if, hypothetically, the hyoid bone is broken, that would generally raise questions about strangulation. But it is not de uh, definitive and does not exclude suicidal hanging, said Arden, who is not involved with the Epstein autopsy. Numerous studies were also cited by the paper that found hyoid bone breaks were detected in a minority of suicidal hangings. One such study, conducted from 2010 to 2013, that looked at suicidal hangings in India, found that hyoid damage was present in just 16 of 264 cases, or 6%. Yeah, so there's a very and, low chance that this was not a homicide. Or that it was a homicide. No, there's a low chance it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I completely misheard you there. I heard the second half of that. Said, <laughs> I heard not a homicide. It's like that you what? Had you in the but, first um, half. Not gonna yeah, lie. <laughs> you lost me in the first half and gained me in the second. But um, <laughs> basically, the way that he allegedly hung himself. So he had a, just a single bed, and he allegedly tied a, his bed sheet to the po like to the post of the bed, tied it around his neck, squatted down, and leaned forward. And then just let it suffocate him. That doesn't break bones. Like, with, nah. a, with a typical hanging that would break a bone in your neck, usually it's, you know, they tied a rope around a beam and jumped off a chair and there was a snapping motion by the rope. Or, you know, there, super fun bungee cord antics. Yeah, but th there was none of this in that. Like, he, he literally just gently leaned forward, allegedly, and... That would, just be, that would be suffocated. That would be just suffocation. It, that wouldn't be anything bone breaking. It would just be cutting off the airways yeah. and suffocating. And he's got multiple broken neck bones, and the biggest one being that one that's typically found in homicide cases, not suicide cases. Yeah, it was it, like it said in that study from 2010 to 2013 in India. It was out of 264 suicidal hangings, only 6%, 16 of those cases, had damage to the hyoid bone. And really, the, the way they're trying to paint the official story for Jeffrey Epstein's alleged suicide, it doesn't sound like one that would break any bones, let alone fall within that 6% that did break this specific bone. Like It's, yeah. it's highly unlikely that this was not a homicide. Mm -hmm. So... I, while the media is trying to distract from the shit that's going on. I see you, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> right? Fuck that. With the vape bans, the climate problems, all this bullshit. This is all to distract from uh, bigger things. I do not want to take my eyes off the Epstein case. Yeah, he's dead. There's more to it. Yeah, he was silenced. He was silenced, definitely. He, he was suicided. Mm-hmm. So I want to stay on this. If any new developments come up on this particular story, I want on it. I want all of it. Give me that Shove weird. Shove all of the Epstein into me. Give me that weird pedophile news. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> sex trafficking news. Anyways, that brings us to the end of our first segment. So uh, we're gonna take a little break. It'll be super quick for you and super long for us. So fucking long. So. But long. stay tuned for more Weekend Anjo as we get into the second segment. Yes. Hey guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
Stop, maybe you stop. Should, maybe you should just give it a second. Make sure it's <laughs> recording before you jump into it, James. Are we back? We are back. Hey, we're back. We're How about actually that? back. What do you know? Cool. Well, jumping right back into it. This uh, first article was posted by Peyton Gozian. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name properly. Uh, was posted on Wednesday, September 25th. Uh, this article comes from 71 Republic and was also written by Peyton Guzian. So that's pretty fucking neat. But um, the headline is New York Bill to Force Kids to Get HPV Vaccine. So a New York State bill will mandate school children to get the HPV vaccine to attend public school if it passes. Currently, a version of the bill is in committee in both the Assembly and the Senate. This comes as a part of Governor Cuomo's partnership with Merck ILUM Health Solutions in creating a platform to detect, treat, and prevent the spread of infectious diseases. But is this particular HPV vaccine even safe for the public to obtain? The HPV vaccine Gardasil has come under fire for being not, quote, as safe as backers claim. The National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program has awarded... $5,877,710 to 49 victims in claims against the vaccine. 200 people have filed claims uh, with BICP, reporting negative effects from Gardasil. Moreover, 26 people died in just over a year after obtaining it. Many more have reported side effects, including seizures, paralysis, and blindness. Both the CDC and Merck insist all uh, deaths and side effects are mere coincidences. Yet, according to the manufacturer, the vaccine has not gone through testing for uh, carcinogenicity or impairment of fertility. Carcinogenicide? Yes. yes. <laughs> Governor Cuomo's relationship with Merck and recent efforts pushing vaccines as requirements for school children has raised eyebrows. The state of New York has already repealed religious exemptions for vaccine mandates. <clears throat> um, medical exemptions are also falling on deaf ears, such in the case of a child with autism, which, parents, uh, which caused parents to sue. This makes it likely that if the bill passes, it will similarly not allow exemptions. The vaccine comes in three doses over the course of six months. Each shot costs anywhere from $130 to $170, making the total cost between $390 and $510. Since New York has nearly 3 million school-aged children, the mandate would be extremely profitable for Merck. No way! It's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? So we're basically going to force you to buy this vaccine. Yeah, my, my thing on that, um, if they're doing it as you have to do this to send your kids to public school, okay, fuck public school then. Like, yeah. really, don't don't send your kids to public school. You should educate them yourself. And if you don't trust yourself to be able to educate your children, why would you send them to the exact institution that gave you such a shitty education that you cannot educate your own children? <laughs> like, figure that shit out. Most... Pretty much all of the public education system can be completely replaced by YouTube. Yeah. Like, there's so much you can learn on YouTube. So And you'd be able to cut out all the, like, unnecessary shit, like algebra. <laughs> fuck algebra. You're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. Bitch, Bitch please. <laughs> <laughs> but this next article was posted by Jason Booth on Thursday, September 26th. <clears throat> um, this article comes from the Chicago Tribune. It was written by uh, Alyssa Cherney and Jeff Cohen. 
The headline is, doctors took a newborn baby from her parents after they refused a, vitam a vitamin K shot for her. Now the couple is suing the hospital and DCFS. In the moments after Angela Bauer, Bauer, Bauer gave birth last winter, she and her husband, a suburban Chicago pastor, were eager to hold their new baby girl. But as Bauer was being treated in the delivery room, the couple contends a nurse picked up the infant to administer a vitamin K shot, a common practice in maternity wards across the country to help a baby's blood clotting ability in case of emergency. The Bowers said they are not anti-vaxxers or against any procedure they believe to be medically necessary, but they didn't think the shot was in that category. <clears throat> they had agreed to sign a waiver confirming their wishes that the new baby, their fifth child, not receive vitamin K, based on their beliefs that God, uh, God's creation isn't automatically deficient or flawed at birth. But instead of offering them a form, the Bowers allege the nurse announced she was reporting the couple to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services and left the room with the newborn. It would be about 12 hours before they got the child back, the couple said. Quote, I honestly could not understand what was going on, Angela Bauer said through tears in a recent interview. Quote, I was in total shock. I've never had, uh, yeah, I've never not had my baby right away. The episode was the result of a controversial DCFS policy that classified parents' refusal of their newborn's vitamin K shot as medical, negligent, or, uh, medical neglect, a move that thrust the agency into a contentious debate over the rights of parents to make decisions about their children's care. The policy was rescinded a year ago as agency leaders sought to ensure the DCFS wasn't, quote, overstepping the boundaries of state law and determined the shots should not be classified as medically necessary. <clears throat> quote, making the, uh, that kind of determination falls outside the confines of our statutory and professional mission and judgment, Beverly Walker, then DCFS's acting director, wrote in an August 2018 memo rescinding the policy. Of 138 families investigated because of vitamin K refusals, officials found evidence of medical neglect in just seven cases, the memo said. On Monday, the Bowers and several other parents filed a sweeping federal lawsuit accusing the agency, its current and former leaders, a number of doctors, and three hospitals of violating their constitutional rights just after the births of their children. Hours that should have been filled with happiness and family photos were instead filled with uncertainty, they said, as children were temporarily taken into protective custody, DCFS caseworkers were called, and the parents were made to feel like criminals. The lawsuit contends DCFS and medical staff broke state and federal law by improperly seizing newborns or threatening to do so, said Richard Dvorak, yeah, Dvorak, a lawyer for the families. It alleges that doctors continued to coerce parents, citing the inevitability of DCFS intervention even though they knew the policy had been rescinded. The family said they were traumatized by their experiences and are seeking monetary damages and a stop to the practice once and for all. The hospitals listed in the lawsuit are University of Chicago Medical Center, Advocate Christ Medical Center in Oaklawn, and Silver, uh, Silver Cross Hospital in New Lenox. The hospitals each declined to comment, citing pending, uh, pending litigation. Now I'm not going to worry about getting into the whole religious aspect of it, but why, why would this be a necessary shot? Well, that's the thing. They rescinded the policy. Like yeah. they, they, they came to the conclusion, wait, this isn't medically necessary. I mean, it's, so it's like a benefit. It's a benefit, sure. Yeah, but, but it's not necessary. No, but despite the fact that that policy had been rescinded, 
uh, they're like basically doctors, nurses, hospitals are still trying to act as if it is policy and force people to take the shot. Like, if if this shot is so necessary, what about the literally billions, if not trillions, of people that were born before this shot existed that all lived just fine? Mm, just fine. When it was said, it was just a uh, it's a preventative shot to help blood clotting in case there's an emergency. So it's like. It's literally just a preventative thing for something that chances are isn't going to happen. Yeah, it's completely unnecessary, but they're they're going to push it as though it is and say that you're breaking the law if you don't do it. Yeah, so we're going to steal your child. <laughs> yeah, because that's not breaking the law or anything. That's not that's not wrong. It's okay no. to steal a child and tell you how to raise your newborn child, even though it's your fifth. You still yeah. don't know what you're doing. Clearly, <laughs> what, what, and. No doubt, they're going to be pushing a lot more shit like this as a means of instilling fear in parents to get compliance out of them. Well, that's what they were doing. Because think of like the children. They, because like they knew that nothing was going to happen, but they were trying to coerce the parents into doing it anyways by lying and saying that it was illegal for them not to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, that right there, that's just breach of ethics. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I hope the lawsuit goes in the way of the parents with that one. But uh, this next article comes from Jason Booth on Thursday, September 26th. This comes from the Washington Post and was written by Ben Wolfgang. The headline is, Killer Robots Pentagon Advances Combat AI Despite Fears and Opposition. The Army's Artificial Intelligence Task Force, with headquarters in the heart of the Rust Belt, is a crucial component of the Grand Pentagon plan to incorporate robots and machine learning into 21st century warfare. For skeptics, the task force is the concrete embodiment of how the U.S. is headed down a rocky, uncertain road that could put humanity itself in danger. Yes! Yeah, the raging debate over AI, including its implications for the human race and the morality of its use in warfare, has divided the U.S. from some traditional allies. It also is fueling a growing band of activists who warn that killer robots are on the horizon of a military that has no comprehensive plan to stop them or understand their implications. Deep philosophical questions about the ramifications of AI technology, who is responsible for writing ethical guidelines, to what extent must humans remain in the loop, how much easier uh, is it to fight, a war, or to fight a war fought initially by machines, and who bears the blame if a robot or drone ultimately uh, targets humans, are just beginning to be confronted in a systematic way. So far, global rules of the road have hit impenetrable roadblocks. A multinational effort to ban, quote, lethal autonomous weapons systems fell flat again last month during a high-level UN gathering in Geneva. So they're moving forward regardless. Um, so expect Sky Skynet. Skynet's coming, guys. Skynet 2056. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. Bring it on. I want to hack one. Like, well, that's, that's one of the biggest concerns. Is people hacking into them and making them do things that they're not designed I, to do. They're not designed to say, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> I want I want to hack one, teach it to say that, and it's just going to tag along, follow me everywhere, kill people for me, and like, <laughs> Like, it'll just like, randomly look at a cop, hasta la vista, baby, boom! Dead cop. <laughs> hasta la vista, baby, It'll be boom. like, it's only audio clip will be of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, hasta la vista, baby. I... I'd be all for it. Give give me them killer oh, robots. Gosh. <laughs> but uh, on the topic of 
autonomous robots and weaponry and things like this, again, I implore you to look at the short film Slaughterbots. Yeah. Beautifully shows what can be done with this kind of thing. But um, this next article was posted by Jason Booth on Saturday, September 21st. This comes from the Tampa Bay Times and was written by Jamal Talji. Uh, the headline is, Tarpon Springs Officer Quits After Making Mass Shooting Threat. Detective Steve Bergren was talking to a fellow Tarpon Springs detective about how much he coveted an assignment last month when he made this comment. He said that there would be an, quote, active shooter situation at Tarpon Springs Police Department headquarters if he didn't get the position, according to the agency. Hmm. Quote, the detective said it was something that made the hairs on the back of his neck stand up, said Tarpon Springs Police Major Jeffrey Young. Bergren wrote to the police chief to say he was just joking. He resigned Thursday before Tarpon Springs Police Chief Robert Co uh, Cochin could fire him for breaking city rules. Young said law, law enforcement cannot ask the public to watch out for, quote, red flags, signs of potentially dangerous behavior, and ignore such a sign under its own roof. Quote, in his letter, he says it was in jest, but in hindsight, it was ill-advised, Young said. Quote, in today's society, you can't just say something like that and not be held accountable for it. Bergen resigned Thursday before his scheduled meeting with investigators. In his letter to the chief, he apologized for his behavior, writing that he considers the Tarpon Springs Police Department, quote, an extension of my own family. He also addressed his August 5th comment, quote, during the course of this conversation, I made a statement in jest referencing an active shooter, Bergen wrote, quote, I never imagined when the statement was made that it would be perceived as a potential threat to our shared workplace. What? <laughs> what? How the, dumb are you? The name of the detective who heard the comment was not released by the department, but he told internal investigators that Bergren didn't act like he was joking. Quote, the other detective said Bergren made this comment and uh, made this statement in a stoic manner and not giving any indication that this was a joke, the, ag the agency said. Personally, at my job, there have been two people fired for making remarks like that. Nice. Like, it's it's really not a good idea. Even if you're joking, don't fucking talk about that shit. Don't don't joke about going psycho on people. You don't joke about I'm gonna shoot the place up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a no. Bad idea. How? I'll joke about the boogaloo all day. Because it's that's all it is. It's just jokes. Mm -hmm. It's legally just jokes. It's legally jokes. <laughs> but uh, you don't you don't say you're gonna show up to work and just shoot the place up if you don't get this position you want. Like what? <laughs> Stop! Stop! And yeah, they're right. Why are they gonna go on about these red flag laws and blatantly ignore the shit going on in their own department? Yeah, that would have looked really good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this next article comes from Jason Booth on Monday, September twenty third. This article comes from Reason and was written by C.J. Sierra The headline is, Detroit police sued yet again for shooting a woman's dogs during a warrantless search. Two Detroit police officers illegally pulled open a woman's door during a warrantless search and then shot her two dogs after they ran outside, killing one of the pets, according to a federal civil rights lawsuit filed this week. The lawsuit, first reported by the Detroit News, claims two unnamed Detroit police officers responding to a report of gunshots in the area arrived at the home of Teresa Thomas on July 19th looking for a suspect. Thomas said that the suspect didn't live there and that she was alone in the house with her two dogs. She refused to allow the officers inside without a search warrant. 
The lawsuit claims one of the officers then, quote, pulled Thomas out of the house because she was holding the door shut at the time. Thomas's two dogs, Tiny and Winter, quote, then went out the front door and around the corner to where their food bowls are kept. The document continues. Quote, police, uh, police officer Doe number two shot both Tiny and Winter. Defendant Doe number one laughed at plaintiff as she tried to help her wounded animals. Tiny died, and Winter was wounded by a bullet to the muzzle. The suit alleges that both uh, the illegal search and the shooting of Thomas's dogs violated her Fourth Amendment rights. The suit is the latest in a string of costly lawsuits against Detroit police for shooting dogs. Thomas's lawyer, Chris Olson, has represented uh, several plaintiffs in similar suits against the Detroit Police Department. He says the incident is yet another case of poor training leading to a preventable shooting. That's not poor training. That's poor hiring. They <laughs> they shot the dogs and then laughed at her while she tried to help them. Like, mm-hmm. that's inhuman. What the fuck is wrong with yeah, these people? While executing a warrantless illegal search yeah. of her home. What the fuck is wrong with these people? It's ridiculous. And apparently this is such a big issue. Like There, there have been several high-dollar settlements over this, like in the tens of thousands of dollars. Like they've been paying out a lot of money in settlements because of cops killing people's dogs. And see, then when you look at that, where does that money come from? Taxpayers. Yeah, so all they do is they're going to come up with ways to extort you for more money so they can shoot your dog and give it back. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... It's fucked up. It's extremely fucked up. Fuck Detroit. <laughs> this uh, this next article, though, was posted by myself on Thursday, September 26th. This comes from KTLA, was written by Tracy Bloom and Chip Yost. Um, the headline is, No charges against off-duty LAPD officer who shot and killed mentally ill man at Corona Costa, uh, Costco. So a grand jury has declined to bring charges against an off-duty LAPD officer who fatally shot a a mentally ill man and injured his parents during a confrontation at a Costco in Corona in June, Riverside County District Attorney Mike Hestron announced Wednesday. The decision not to charge Officer Salvador Sanchez followed a months-long investigation by the Corona Police Department and the DA's office, culminating with the grand jury's decision on Tuesday. Quote, this case has weighed heavily on us. It's a difficult case. The community is feeling this, rightly so, Hestron said at um, a late morning news conference. Quote, this was a horrible tra- uh, tragic situation that occurred in one of our cities. Sanchez was off duty and shopping at the Costco with his family on June 14th when he was struck from behind by 32-year-old Kenneth French, who was at the warehouse store with his parents Russell and Paola French, authority said. The officer was holding his one-year-old son at the time of the assault, according to Corona Police Chief George uh, Johnstone. Johnstone? Johnstone. 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 Uh, No words were exchanged prior, and multiple things appeared to have been shouted between the uh, involved parties after the hit, according to Joseph Del... Del Judice? I'm sorry. Del Judice? I, I don't know. Who heads the Bureau of Investigation for the DA's office. The officer's attorney, David Winslow, previously told the Associated Press that his client, quote, believed his life and his son's life was in immediate danger when he uh, discharged his weapon. French's parents said they tried to intervene on behalf of their son, who had schizophrenia. After Sanchez identified himself as an officer, the parents told him their adult son had an intellectual disability. Quote, I begged and told him not to shoot, Russell French told reporters last month the first time he spoke publicly after being injured in the shooting. 
Quote, I said, we have no guns and my son is sick. He's still shot. Sanchez fired off 10 shots, hitting Kenneth fuck? French four times, three in the back and once in the shoulder, according to Johnstone. Payola was hit once in the stomach area while her husband was struck in the back, the chief said. Both were hospitalized with critical injuries. So he shot the dude in the back. Three that's t- that's four cowardly. Times, four t- shot him four times in the back, shot his father once in the back, and then shot the mother in the stomach. That's top cowardice. Like, you cannot say that you feared for your life to that extent to where you shot two people in the back and another in the stomach. Yeah. <clears throat> but Fucking... this is just disgusting. And it's bullshit he's not facing anything out of this. Nothing at all. Just gets away scot-free. Typical cop stuff. That's the blue privilege. He's a cop. He feared for his life. Just shut up. And he also tried to say that he he lost consciousness. Like he was hit so hard he lost consciousness. The video showed that that wasn't even true. No. Like the, the the situation happened so quickly that it wasn't possible for him to lose consciousness in the confrontation. Not at all. So, just another example of a cop he, hiding behind the badge. He probably didn't lose consciousness. What happened was he blacked out. He blacked out and just started shooting. Yeah. Because he, did. he didn't just shoot the guy that hit him from behind. He also shot the, per- the dude's parents as well. Why, why the fuck <clears throat> would you do this? What justification do you have for this? Mm-hmm. And when he shot Kenneth French, he shot him in the back. Meaning there was no direct threat after he had been knocked down. There, like... That could have been the end of the situation. Instead of letting it end, he pulled his gun and just started shooting. With complete blatant disregard for everybody around him. Yeah. That's... So, Salvador (sighs) Sanchez, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. I hope someone shoots you in the face, not the back, the face. (laughs) Although knowing you being a coward, it probably will end up being in the back. Yeah. So this next article comes from Jason Booth on Saturday, September 21st. The article comes from Business Insider and was written by Christina uh, Lau. You've been in Korea. It's an Asian name. Where am I? Yeah, it's Lau. Okay. Mm. Christina Lau. Luxury hotels are banding together to help rebuild the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian, organizing donations and collectively pledging millions for disaster relief. So, at the start of the month... Tragedy struck the Bahamas when Category 5 Hurricane Dorian tore its way through the Abaco Islands and Grand Bahama Island. Following what NASA reported as sustained winds of 185 miles per hour with gusts over 200 miles per hour, the devastating storm has left catastrophic destruction in its wake, including a death toll that's nearing 50 people and the displacement of over 70,000 individuals, according to CNN. Now the country is in need of dire help, and the travel industry is heeding their call. Atlantis is playing a uh, significant role, providing Jose uh, Andres and his World uh, Central Kitchen team, who made an extraordinary impact in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico two years ago, with the space to assemble meals that are being delivered daily to Abaco and Grand Bahama. Atlantis, Paradise Island, and Brookfield Asset Management have also collectively pledged $3 million towards relief efforts in addition to setting up a GoFundMe page for donations with 100% of the proceeds going to the Bahamas Red Cross. Several others have also created donation pages, including Bahamar, 
which also has given $2 million to support immediate disaster relief and long-term recovery and is encouraging guests to bring items for those affected. Sandals Resorts International, which will match donations dollar for dollar, the soon-to-open uh, Kerula Mar, whose owner's charity will match campaign goal proceeds, and the Ocean Club, a Four Seasons Resort, which has also been sending staff over to the Atlantis to work with World Central Kitchen. A number of cruise lines have also been helping to, uh, by sending relief to the Bahamas on their ships, and Royal Caribbean has gone the extra step by donating a million dollars and matching up to $500,000 from funds raised by the Pan American Development Foundation. If that ain't some wholesome-ass shit... But James, that... without the government, how would they provide disaster relief? Well, without the government, there wouldn't be disasters. <laughs> <laughs> Governments created the hurricanes! There wasn't no hurricanes before the government. Hurricane Dorian is a government creation. It's a government agent. <laughs> the rumor has it it's vacation, or it's uh, living in Switzerland under a new name now. <laughs> but this right here is volunteerism in action. It's, it's some good shit. It makes you feel good, because people, people rely so heavily on the government to take care of things. I mean, fucking Hurricane Katrina, and everyone got mad at Bush for all the bullshit. Like, no. Private entities can take care of this shit. Just, yeah. just let them. Keep the government out of the way. Don't let the government impede people with goodwill. And you won't need the government to take care of anything. I mean, you don't need the government, but everyone relies on them so heavily. They feel the government is necessary for every aspect of keeping them safe and secure. Yeah. But just another example of the, why the government is not needed and how volunteerism does indeed work. We got this, fam. We can do this shit. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our second segment, bringing us to our second wild card of the night, being our Joker card. And this one is coming from Jason Booth, uh, which was posted on Monday, September 23rd. It comes from KAIT, and the headline is, Burglary Suspect Shot After Telling Homeowner, quote, Give me that gun before you hurt yourself, old man. <laughs> Proceeds to get shot. What are you going to do, stab me? Says stabbing victim. <laughs> When a Mississippi County man awoke to find a burglar in his house, he told him to leave. Then the suspect told him to hand over his gun. Sheriff's deputies say that when the homeowner, that's when the homeowner shot him. The victim told deputies he awoke around 3 a.m. Tuesday to a loud noise at his house on East 1st Street. The homeowner grabbed his gun and began searching the home. In the living room, he found a man he did not know. The victim told the, sus uh, told the suspected burglar to leave. But the man ignore, ignored him, according to Sheriff Dale Cook, and began fixing himself something to eat and drink. Once again, the homeowner told the man to leave. Instead, the suspect began unplugging the television. When the victim told him to leave again, the, sus the suspect reportedly said, Give me that gun before you hurt yourself, old man. The homeowner then fired one shot at the man, striking him in the leg. When officers arrived, they found 47-year-old Charles Lancaster of Kaiser across the street suffering from a gunshot wound to the leg. He was taken <laughs> to a Jonesboro hospital and treated for his injuries before being arrested and charged with residential burglary. Lancaster is currently being held at the Mississippi County Detention Center in lieu of a $75,000 bond. But without the government, who's going to keep burglars out of my house? <laughs> It's like, give me that weapon, old man. Get shot. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. What you gonna do? Shoot me? Bang. 
Uh, I, I honestly just think that's a beautiful fucking article. But it's, I, I'm sure that many of you have seen the uh, the little thing. It was like the 911 call or whatever. And it's the stabbing victim said, before he was stabbed, what are you going to do? Stab me? Stab, stab, stab. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I'm going to do. But yeah, that's that was a, a beautiful time. A beautiful time. That was that was it was so good. But proving uh, police are unnecessary and nine uh, millimeter responds faster than nine one one. Oh yeah, a lot faster. But with that said, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Week in Anjo. Actually, what's today? Saturday? So yeah, we're actually getting to you fuckers a day early. A little early. Look at that. And the only reason is because our work schedules are fucky and both of us are working tomorrow and it would make it extremely difficult. So it's yeah. actually not because we're getting on the ball. With this we are We are not on the ball. We still suck, I promise. But we're trying to uh, at least keep the show going with all of our suckage. Yeah, and we have a lot going on right now, especially uh, within the month of October. So... The way we're doing things, like the, the record, like the schedule, the, the the posting schedule will be the same, but our recording schedule is not the same. No. Like we will, we are literally we're we, we're just get finishing up this episode of Week in Anjo. We're going to record the start of our new series of Down the Rabbit Hole, and then tomorrow we're going to record the second episode because we have shit to pre- to prep for. Yeah. So we're trying to keep this stuff on schedule and keep it from being too fucky. So we're putting in some extra time for this shit. So we hope so you guys much elbow enjoy grease. it. But um, make sure that you guys tune in this coming Wednesday for a new monthly series of Down the Rabbit Hole. This will be a five-part uh, series, as there are five weeks in this. Um, well, there will be five Wednesdays in this month of October. So it'll be a fun time. Yeah. We actually managed to come up with the series topic and all of the parts and all of the notes last night. We were on the fucking in, ball. <laughs> in like five minutes, we had it. So we're going to go ahead and uh, get to recording that soon, and you guys can hear it Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, have fun, stay sexy, and... Uh, don't die. Don't die.